Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 363 of The Sauces Factory. Welcome. In this episode I chat to Dominic Jean of Collider's Cube about their puppet-themed, narrative-driven action-adventure game, A Juggler's Tale. I was completely unaware about this game. Just got it on a press release. This sometimes happens. In fact, it happens quite a lot. I get a little bit of a press release from someone and they say, oh Chris, you might want to be, you know, this would interest you. Right up your alley. And they're all right. It was. A Juggler's Tale is a game that challenges the concept that the player must respect and follow the narrative. And if they don't, well, there's no game. The game will not let you do that. You will do this thing, and then that's it. A Juggler's Tale is not about that. It's really about challenging the actual narrator. Now... Stanley Parable has done that before, fully appreciate that. That's not new, in inverted commas. However, this is a more poignant tale. This is a sad tale of, of an orphan child trying to run away from the circus. Normally people run away with the circus, but this poor little mite, she, uh, she needs to run away. She really does, and she does. And you guide her through many adventures, through the realm that she finds herself in, which is not a pleasant one, unfortunately. But this is, wait for it, take a drink, everyone. A very well put together game. Of course it is. But it relies on the fact that all the characters within it are puppets. They have strings dangling from the the ceiling, or the virtual ceiling, if you like. And that plays a pivotal role in how you control the characters in it. It's really clever and really fun. There's an absolute honour to have Dominic on the show to talk about how A Juggler's Tale was made. I'm sure you want to hear how that panned out, right? Well, let's let's listen to me from a few weeks ago. A little bit more than a few weeks, but uh, yeah, let's just catch up with me from a little while back talking to Dominic about this extraordinary game. Chris! Take it away. Dominic, who are you? Hi. What do you do? Hi, um, my name is Dominic. I'm an indie developer from Germany. And I've worked the past four years on the game A Jackless Tale, a cinematic puzzle platformer that we started as, as students and now is out on PC and console, which is amazing. <laughs> Can't believe it's finally out there. It's wonderful. And yes, Yes, regular listeners, yeah. Another German developer. Hurrah. It's great. Getting more of them on. <laughs> oh, there's so many. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. I, we, it's a thing. Um, I've, I, we get people from all across the planet. Um, 
the last episode we had someone from Singapore. It was great. But, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, it's this one marvellous thing about this show is we break down borders and nonsense and cut to the chase. It's wonderful. So, how did you make your start making video games, Dominic? Ooh, that was a long time ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have to tell, I'm, I'm still pretty young. I'm 25 years old. Okay. And um, I've just finished with my studies a few months ago. And I started working on games when I was, I think, 15 years old in school. And I um, decided to go into the 3D modeling, creating my own uh, buildings and stuff like that, also because of Minecraft. And I had uh, downloaded Blender and uh, just worked inside it a little bit. And then I didn't know what to do anymore. And I wanted to do something more with the stuff I created. And that's when I first heard about uh, game engines and that you can learn to create your own games. So uh, I think that was back in 2012 or 2011. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I started working on mobile games on my own during school and created like one or two small mobile games that actually uh, were published to the Google Play Store. And I was so proud of that at that time. (laughs) Um, And then after school, I decided that I want to continue working in in game development. And I started doing two internships at uh, major German game studios. Um, They are called King Art Games, and they have done games like Book of Unwritten Tales. And uh, the other one is Mimimi Games, which now uh, uh, worked on Desperados 3. And uh, I had a great time there, a really great time. So I decided that this is actually something I want to continue to do in my life and uh, signed up for a study course in Stuttgart. And here we are. And uh, yeah, then uh, the study started and I started to get to know other people that signed up for the same thing, basically, and had the same passion, which is amazing. If you go to university and find people there that share you the same dream. And uh, in 2017, we started working on a Jaguar's Tale. And usually you don't do that long projects at university. And also a Jaguar's Tale was like it uh, was meant to be a three month project. <laughs> and uh, of course, we were not finished after three months. But we really like the idea and the, the the art that we did so far. And so we somehow just stick with it and continued and continued working on it besides the university, besides other projects, but then also um, as a diploma project at the end. Right. It's Yeah, sometimes you get an idea, you get a project, we should just carry on. This has got legs. Not every game does. Yeah. I'm sure you know that. <laughs> But you go, now this one, this one keeps giving. I know it feels Yeah, like... we, we did other projects in yes. between, but we always came back to a Jaguar's Tale because we, we felt there is something in there that just needs to be uh, developed. <laughs> yeah, it's something, a tale that needs to be told. Pun intended. Exactly. But yes. Um, no, I'm very happy that it exists, and we're going to talk about it in detail afterwards. But uh, no, that's that's quite a, quite a tale. I would... Like to point out that you revealed your age is twenty five, 
I'm 50. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's twice. It's fine. So, you know, if you think you still be playing games at 50, yes, you will. I think so too, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's just that you'll find your hand-to-eye coordination isn't what it was, though. That's that's a thing that happens. Just warning you now. Um. <laughs> but I don't play that type of games, I think. No, okay. No, I'll it's get... also that I, I, I get a motion sick real quick. Oh, so, um, right. That's hard as a game developer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, limited to a certain type of games that I can develop. Otherwise, I would get sick every day. I see. And uh, a puzzle platformer with two and a half D graphics is something that you can really play very good, even if you get motion sick very quickly. Right. So I'm assuming wipeout on VR is not a thing you'd want to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I'm, or a I'm, VR game. Yeah. I I I don't suffer from this. I'm afraid. I really I, I'm. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm, I've got. I've got a heart and stomach of a concrete elephant. I just don't get. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. So I could be happy about that. I am. I'm. Um, but I count my blessings every day, my friend, because I've played some extraordinary games in VR, knowing full well that not everyone can do that because of the nausea. I can see, but it just doesn't happen. It's never happened to me. I've done. I've played some very strange and weird games. But like really vomit-inducing games. Like, nope, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> People just like, what are you like? Like, I don't know. What are you gonna do? Um, so, my next question now, Dominic. I'm gonna warn you. This is the known as the infamous third question, which is difficult to to expand on. So don't worry. It's uh, it, but it is. It's not personal, but it is. Well, it could be. But it's something you may have not thought about in great detail, but I think you need to as a creator, and that is this. What are your biggest influences? Uh, for creating games? Yes. What is the thing that you find you're orbiting more than often than not? Whether you like it or not, you always find yourself just in touching distance of this thing that you find feeds into your creative endeavours. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think there are very different parts, and it always depends on what you're currently doing while developing the game, because there are so many things that you need to do, especially when you, when you work in a small team. Uh, I was responsible for programming, but also art, for example. And uh, for art, I took a lot of inspiration from traditional paintings, actually, because um, I really like uh, expressionistic approaches to, to images, where it's not about recreating the scenery, but more about the feeling that it should capture. And that is something that I always tried to integrate into our game. That it's not about finding the correct colors for a scene or something like that, but more about the, the feeling that should be transported. But uh, for the other parts of working on the game, inspiration uh, is pretty, pretty tough. I know, um, I, I know. But I think you're talking about looking at a static piece of art which you know you and i have both been to galleries and when they've got a good yeah. curation and a good um 
exposition or not exposition but installation i should say of particular artists or artists um it's quite it's quite mentally exhausting when it's really well because you'd be standing there for quite some time yeah totally. <laughs> it's, it's, it's much more engaging than the film in many regards of course it is because you're you're trying to interpret what this piece is saying to you and what they're trying to what they're trying to convey because i've said this to many guests on the before when you make your your game it ceases to be yours when it's released it's no longer yours it's the world's and that can be tough but i really like uh, the way that paintings can like transport feelings and sometimes i just uh, took a photo of a painting for example and uh, showed it to the others in the team and says and said like this part in the game it should feel like this image <laughs> And then uh, it's much better to explain it that way than to describe it in words or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing one painting. I'm so annoyed that I can't remember it, but it was a it was a portrait with his dog. Uh, and um, the dog was drawn out of proportion. It wasn't quite right. It wasn't, you know, the proportions of the dog relative to the owner was all off. It was very mm -hmm. big. The dog was very large. And it turns out when you read the description underneath, and it turns out that the, the owner wanted this because he loved the dog so much that he wanted the artist to express this in some way. He didn't say how. He just said, you know, I mm -hmm. have a great deal of affection towards this dog. Can you re reflect this in my portrait with, with, with him? And he did. He just made him bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and it was lovely. It was, I think it was a very sweet thing to do. So um, it was a sheepdog. Lovely. Um, That's a good solution. <laughs> yeah. So the next question is also similarly difficult. Sorry about this, but you know it's the nature of the show. But, um, and I can let you uh, give you multiple answers. So don't worry. Don't have to fix to one. But the question is this: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Um, <laughs> so it can be a person or a developer or a, a company. Or I think um, I will go for um, Playdead, which make uh, like uh, they make similar games to ours. But that is also because why I admire them so much, because they. I I believe, or what I, from 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 what I've read. They really take their time to make everything perfect, and they can take that time, and they uh, throw every everything away multiple times until they think, okay, this is this puzzle needs to be at that location, and after what this happens, and I think uh, both Limbo and Inside are masterpieces in what they are. Uh, short games with uh, a very great storytelling, even though no one talks in them. You can interpret a lot into them. And uh, I would love to to chat with the designers of those games when when it happens. They Maybe are seminal happen. now, aren't they? They are very, very, very important games. They're up there with Braid. They're up there with Fez. They're up there with Gone Home. You know, they're all yeah. part of that 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 strata if you like like 
pantheon, there's the better word, pantheon of games that people look up to. Hollow Knight is another one. Look at that, them, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, that's a good shout. Very good shout. And that's exactly the kind of answer I like to receive. Now this, and again, it's related to the third question. You draw inspiration from their work too. You go, yes, how they do things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I played I played the game so often, and always found something new that I liked. And yeah. I think that just that that you always uh, discover something new is that uh, shows how good those games are. <laughs> yeah. And it's really important to to recognize that and give thanks for people making these things. And you haven't heard from them for a while, so Mm. I'm really excited what they're up to. (laughs) Yeah, sort of kicking something up. So the last question in the first half. See, well done, you made it. Who's this? (laughs) I have to ask this question because this is a video game podcast, not a gardening one. Not there's anything wrong with gardening-related podcasts. But this is a video game podcast, and I have to ask you this, my friend. And it is, the question is this. What are you playing right now? <laughs> so, right now, that's actually... Uh, finally, I was able to play something again. Because for the last, uh, I think, five months, I didn't play any game. I was just working on hours. And... Uh, putting my head into that but uh, last week actually in the week of the release I found some time to play Omno um, I don't know if you've heard of that game yes that's an action adventure game okay. isn't it it's, yeah, it's, it's an action adventure game incredible it's incredible isn't it on it looks Game Pass so good it's on Game Pass yeah yeah I bought and it, before, I, I, it was, before I knew that I was annoyed but of course <laughs> <laughs> I also bought it for PlayStation. Uh, and I had, uh, I'm still uh, in inside that game. Like I'm four hours into it, I think. And uh, I'm having a really great time. And also because I, uh, the dev is also from Germany and I know him a little bit. But that's what uh, I always wanted to play the game. So looking forward to finishing that one. And I can, always, I can only, uh, how do you say? encourage people to to also play omno <laughs> absolutely i tried to get them on the show i didn't get a response i'll have another go but uh yeah what an exquisite game what a lovely game that is it's it's the it's the hue of the coloring they just every, every exactly. world is just it it starts off as blue but then it changes it's just wonderful it's wonderful and there are a lot of cute animals that you can befriend. <laughs> and just that alone is so much fun to, to run around in that world and interact with the funny little animals. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, can you pet the dog? I said, no, you can pet everyone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Let's make a game about petting of animals. How about that? Okay, fine. So, well, wonderful response, and I fully, I fully appreciate that now. Finally, now that a juggler's tale is out, you can uh, relax just a smidgen and actually <laughs> spend some time in another person's game. But uh, we've often have developers on. They said, "Well, I'm still trying to fix my game, and I haven't got time." And we simply go into questions about what do you plan to play afterwards, and then we have a discussion. Yeah, about yeah that. I can imagine that. Um, I think a lot of time people are saying at the moment, oh, we want to play the DLC for Outer Wilds. Good idea. 
Although a game <laughs> I suspect you can't play, noting your nausea problem, because that's a game that definitely sends you off. Um, but uh, anyway, let's move on to the second half, where we delve deep right. into a juggler's tale. First question isn't really a question. It's a request. Can you tell us, in your own words, what is a juggler's tale? All right. Yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, a juggler's tale is a puppet, as a as a puzzle platformer where you play as a little string puppet on a big theater play, and uh, the whole game is accompanied by narrator jack who tells this theater theater play and he's also the puppet master of all the characters in the game because all characters have puppet strings in our game and um they these puppet strings are not only uh there to represent the connection between the characters and the narrator who's telling the story but they are also like our game mechanic because they are physical objects that get in the way and can block the player from moving on. And also um, they show the dependency between uh, the main hero that you play as a as a player and uh, the narrator. Because, for example, if you fall into a river, you get pulled out by the narrator again. So it's kind of a struggle between you as the player and the narrator uh, telling the story um, who is in control of the little string puppet. And that's also the main story arc. Um, it's about the, the conflict between you as a player and the narrator telling his story, basically. Yeah. And all of this is com- is brought together in like a two to three hour experience. Very colorful, very fairy tale like setting with uh, some music and uh, the some verses. <laughs> And yeah, it's out there and everyone can play it. <laughs> oh yeah, trust me. And you need to, everyone. This is not a epic sweeping experience. Don't worry, it's not Stellaris. Don't worry, you can... You can <laughs> yeah. So one extreme to the other, Dominic. I had to do that. I love doing that. Like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, nothing like that, you know. But it's still something one needs to experience because it's a wonderful thing to explore the idea of the reader arguing struggling with the narrator it's just you know it only in video games can you have this kind of relationship yeah in, in a book you just have to well okay i'm not really into the narrator here i'm not really it's kind of being dragged along here but this is a book so this is how the story is told from it has a beginning middle and end although not every book does i admit that okay fine thank you literary experts but typically <laughs> uh, they have a beginning middle and end and um you're being dragged along by this narrator. I've often read books where I felt the narrator wasn't very good. You know, it didn't really do a very good yeah. job. And the here with uh, a juggler's tale, you can go actually, okay, 
I think you're a jerk. <laughs> I'm gonna do it like exactly. this. It's great. And that was also like the the one thing that always uh, took a, uh, brought us back to the game, because uh, the connection between you as a player and the narrator is so unique, and it's also so so visible through the, the whole setting being a, a marionette theater. Uh, that was something that just worked for us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's very difficult when you're creating something to not find yourself going off the beaten path and realizing that one minute you're playing a puzzle platform and the next minute you're creating a kart racer. Like, hang on, but how did this happen? <laughs> I mean, I've heard of feature creep, but heaven's sake. So, you know, just, just keep, keep it within the reins of the game. So <laughs> my first design question is this. Spatial awareness is really key in understanding how to solve puzzles in A Juggler's Tale. So knowing where Abby is, which is the main protagonist in A Juggler's Tale, where she is in relation to other objects, and more importantly, where her strings are in relation mm -hmm. to other objects. How have you found advertising this or explaining this to the player? Okay, um, so the first thing we wanted to make sure is that the players uh, see those puppet strings as physical objects that are not only like a visual element, but something that reacts to the world. So when you start a game, there is a tutorial uh, like it's not like uh, a screen where you you see how the controls work, but it's like more uh, integrated into the story. But there are some wooden signs that the the puppet string just tangles with. So uh, once you move past that obstacle, uh, the the obstacle kind of wiggles, and you notice as a as a player, oh wait, uh, those puppet strings are actually moving stuff up upon uh, above the marionette. So I can interact with stuff that is not within my normal interaction range. And once we've uh, established that, um, we wanted to make sure that the player understands that completely by having an, an object that you need to interact with and all the objects in Jagger's Tale are that you can interact with are colored in in red, like they have a little red hint on them. Um, so there is the scenery where you need to get to a lever that is on the far right of a barn, but you can't get there. Like you, you need you know you need to get there because it's marked red, <laughs> but you can't get there be because something is blocking the way up in the up in the in the upper part of the screen and that's when also the narrator for the first time says something like um abby can't you see the strings holding you up also hold you back like that's the actual verse <laughs> i know yeah. all of this out of my brain <laughs> he um, is so patronizing he is so like oh i think like, uh, with those things in place uh, people really understand that they not only need to look at the string puppet, 
or that the whole surrounding um, above the string puppet to understand the puzzles. But we still had problems from time to time uh, that players didn't see what they were doing with the puppet strings above them. And um, we had, had to throw away some puzzles actually because people were not, or the playtesters were not realizing that the puppet strings, for example, activated a lever um, in the upper half of the screen, but were just thinking that something randomly happened <laughs> when it was instead the, that the puppet strings did uh, activate that lever. Mm. And so we iterated over those puzzles and made sure that uh, everything is moving um, once you um, interact with the strings. And uh, that was our pro approach to that. What's quite interesting is that we had a version of the game, I think one and a half years into the development, where none of that was in there. And the string, the puppet strings were actually just the visual, visual objects. And we built our levels in a way that nothing uh, should be in the in a way in, in the way of the puppet strings. And <laughs> uh, it took us one year to figure out um, how we can create puppet strings inside the engine that can physically be dragged around and like uh, uh, being uh, pushed back at points alongside the, the string. And once we had that implemented, we realized that it's much more fun to create puzzles around that mechanic. <laughs> Than to just have them as a as a visual element. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's uh, I loved it. I just thought, oh, because one of the reasons I was drawn and I was attracted to uh, a juggler's tale was I could say I'm quite I'm quite old. Uh, I admit that. And as a child, I used to watch. You probably remember as a kid as well. Um, there's this, all these mm -hmm. strange sort of like animations from Eastern Europe. That had yeah. similar kind of like you know stop animation didn't have like wasn't puppets but it was you know that kind of stuff it was like it was really dark yeah I know that yeah. <laughs> I mean but there are also and in Germany there are a lot of puppet uh, or string puppet movies actually. right right yeah. okay so we we in the UK would we get some of this stuff not all of it unfortunately but we get some of it you know we get just a smattering of what's available and it was always quite stark in contrast to what we would normally watch because a lot of our television at the time or historically was influenced by the United States because of our common language, not so much common culture, but certainly common language. And we get a lot of their stuff and it's just all very bright and loud and really quite shallow. Um, not always, not always, but a lot of it was. Um, whereas in contrast, <laughs> you get these rather nuanced, strange, very dark tales that don't always ended happily. <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's what drew me to A Juggler's Tale because it reminded me of that whether that was your conscious decision we I think it was <laughs> but yeah. it's it's really good that you remembered those yeah because they're, they're the ones that remember most actually because <laughs> they were so different um, but, uh... the next uh, item I want to talk about was we hinted at it earlier about your need to the certain types of games you play and that kind of thing while this is a puzzle platform game in a certain sense, 
there is an element of dexterity involved. There are timing puzzles, but they're quite limited. They're not particularly, um, how can I put this, um, you know, over overly difficult, you know, yeah. like to the point where they're really impossible. You will, there are going to be times when you're going to fail and that's fine, but it doesn't punish you too much. How have you found designing the aspect of, of The Juggler's Tale to make it so that it is an adventure with a capital A more than it is it's a puzzle adventure game? Yeah. How have you found juggling, you know, balancing, and again, you know, <laughs> that wasn't a pun in this case, <laughs> but how did you find balancing those two aspects of both a dexterity-based sort of a little bit, but more of a, a story a means by which you're telling a tale. So, and we always wanted to create a game that's more about a story than about puzzling. And the puzzles should only be there to, like, support the story. Because um, it's just a personal preference, I think. I don't quite enjoy uh, adventure games where I get stuck and don't know what to do and in the end have to look up like a playthrough to then find out uh, I need to combine those items and and I can continue with the story. I think uh, it it's, um, it ruins the flow of the of the story maybe a little bit because you you aren't in engaged in the story anymore but only in solving that certain problem and we didn't want to have that in our game so we decided to go for an easier approach uh, in terms of the puzzles and for the dexterity parts (laughs) i found that was pretty hard to design because um, especially, for example, chase sequences. You as a developer can't really figure out how hard they are because um, you are a master in your own game's control because you programmed them. <laughs> so, um, um, for example, if you need to time jumps and you play the game eight hours a day, and you pretty know you know pretty good when to jump to <laughs> to get over a certain gap, for example. And players that just played the game for half an hour are not that skilled yet, obviously. So um, we often had to regulate down the the speed of the chase sequences so that they are more easier. And then they went were too easy, and uh, we had to increase the speed again. And right now, uh, some of the chase sequences in the Jagger's Tale, or the I think that they they are the m- the most dexterity based puzzles in there. Um, they are a little bit cheated on the back side, <laughs> in the background, because they adapt to your own run speed. So if you um, are slow, the enemies also get slower. And if you are fast, the enemies also become faster so they won't leave the screen. Um, which is a little bit weird if you 
um, know what's going on. But uh, if you only play the game one or two times, you probably won't notice these things. And I hope that the chase sequences always feel like you're almost getting caught, but uh, you can manage it uh, with one or two tries without failing. So that was the, the, the goal that we we had in mind. Like, it's okay to fail once. It's also okay to be failed twice, but you shouldn't fail three times because you didn't manage to get a jump, right? Or something like that. Because I, then yeah. the flow would be disturbed again and you would just get annoyed. <laughs> I'm really happy that you mentioned the, the chase sequences because I was thinking about those as well as some sequences that required very special timing when you're hiding from the bandits. Yeah, uh, especially with that little truck that's got lots of apples on it. That's that was a fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that one, but that's not so much dexterity. It was timing. That was timing, not dexterity. Yeah. So I knew what to do, but I did. But it was the, the actual execution was to was to struggle, and that was great. I enjoyed that. I never. I did, it was like I know what I'm doing, but why did I? Oh damn it! Now they found me. Um, but yeah, um, that was that actually is from from our reception right now. It's the hardest puzzle in the game. With the with the apples and yeah. the wagon, I like that one. It's my favorite. It reminded me of um, Commandos, that old uh, that old game. Uh, ah, cool. The, the the line of sight, and also felt a little bit like Snake, only not in a cardboard yeah. box. You know, um, uh, but the you know, the chase sequence I love. I mean, I just I don't have a problem with being running away. I've been doing it for for decades playing video games. I mean, it's not as if it's like Rick Dangerous, which is horrific. Look it up; it's awful. Um, yeah, but, um, it's you know this this game is. Um, no, I did like when I genuinely felt a sense of relief when I knew the chase was over. Some of the escape <laughs> sequences, exactly. as well, it's just like, oh god, what now? <laughs> uh, that's exactly the feeling that we wanted to create. Like you should get uh, really excited about the the the, the chase, but uh, failing too often would just uh, turn that into frustration. Yeah, I, I think. And we've all played those games, right? We've all played those platform games, and like, oh come on! Unless yeah. it's Mario, because we give everything of that game. <laughs> apparently, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm venting. But unless it's like you know Mario Odyssey, which granted is an amazing game, uh, everything else is like, oh come on, give me a break. Um, whereas the Nintendo have some extraordinary ability to actually say it's your fault. That's your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. That was it's all good to you. fail if you know that's your fault. Yeah. But once you blame the game, it's getting pretty uh, frustrating. <laughs> right. I want to talk about the movement of Abby now. Because we're related to... It's not related to about dexterity. It's about how limited it is. Mm -hmm. So it creates a really well-defined path when you're problem-solving. Because you know what she can and can't do. She can interact with objects, she can throw them, and she can jump. Uh, she exactly. can pull jump, pull objects and push them. That's all she can. And she can't go in the uh, inside or outside a field and that kind of thing. And it's just, for me, I first identified this kind of thing with, with games of this sort, of um, deliberately limiting the capacity or the, the what what the the being could do. I remember playing Tomb Raider many, many decades ago when I realised that you had to respect the grid. 
because Tomb Raider is a series of blocks, and she can, she being Lara, can jump X mm-hmm. amount of blocks depending on how fast she's, what momentum she's got, and what kind of thing. And you learn that. You know what she's capable of, and therefore every environment and every area you enter, the first thing is you look around and go, where can I do? What can she do within the limits? I know she can do things. Exactly the same with a juggler's tail. Exactly the same. You've got these limited amount of... So does that help with creating the defined path for problem solving? Was that deliberate on your part, do you think? Yeah, certainly. Because um, especially in in a world like uh, like a juggler's tale is very colorful, so and also like quite full, <laughs> um, in in in, this, in the like just from the art style, and uh, so it's it was hard to to make clear what players can do and can't do, because um, once you Play certain objects in the range of the the character. Maybe you can interact with it. So it was uh, pretty clear for us that we needed to uh, limit the the things that the players can do to just a few things that you uh, get to learn quite early, and then just stick with that. So players won't uh, get the idea that they can do something completely different. And I think there are some parts in the game where we break with that, but it's still in the range of um, what the player thinks they can do. For example, um, we have a a sequence where you get to pick up a, a really large, I think it's called... Albert, is that right? Hmm. Uh, hmm. How is it called? I have to look that up, sorry. That's all right. Spear, okay. A spear? Just spear, okay. Okay, spear, okay, spear, right. Yeah, and um, like up until that point, the player can could could only pick up very small objects that yes. he could carry around with him. Yeah, and uh, the the spear pickup is more like uh, pushing a crate, <laughs> like because it's uh, such a heavy object. Mm. You move really slowly with it, and uh, once you um, let go of the of the keys, she immediately drops it, and that is something that uh, is that we haven't done in the game before, and it's pretty far into the game already. Mm. But still, because it's only like uh, picking an object up, um, I think players realize that they can do uh, stuff with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. finally, <laughs> finally. Um, it's sad that it ends that way, but there it is. Eventually, you know, she's going to have to defend herself somehow rather than keep, continue running. <laughs> Because it is a very dark tale, and it, it leads me on to my final question. Um, I know it's it's sad that we've got to end, but it's sad that we've got to do it. Otherwise, we'll be here for hours. <laughs> uh, so the question is really about, I can't not talk about A Juggler's Tale without addressing the art style. I've mm-hmm. written here in my question, and I think it doesn't do it justice, but the lighting is subdued. It's, a, it's not good enough to describe it, but... 
it's exceptional that's what it is it's not subdued it's exceptional it's just it, it somehow you. <laughs> you you rendered you created a um i mean there's some times when i had actually stopped when i wasn't running away i stopped and took in the scenery because it's so incredible what you've done that there was one scene quite early on which is running across a field mm-hmm. and you look across this windmills and it's just incredible it's this big purple like golden sort of hue to it as the sun sort of splashing this air and the rare occasion where the sun is out in this in in exactly tail um it's like oh look she's finally free and she's actually running across the field and it's all great and everything's gonna be awesome except it's not <laughs> we were so sad we were so sad that this is the only uh like uh, scenery where the sun is out yeah and most of the part is getting so dark yeah it's crazy everything and... we realized that uh our like our art style really works out in the bright sunlight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> once we realized that um, most of the game is going to be pretty dark just from the story, um, we were like, "Oh, but good the 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 bright parts look so good. They do. So maybe we will <laughs> maybe we will make them a little bit longer." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was just it had me just sort of stopping. So. So you've already answered my question, really. My leading question was, why did you adopt this kind of st- oh, okay. like, style? How did it... It's obviously the story was driving this. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, the whole art style should feel like uh, you're you're watching a, a fairy tale, a bright, colourful fairy tale, and it also should reflect, like... Um, stage scenery that you have on 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 theaters because uh from what i've seen they're always a little bit more colorful than they uh, are in real life and we wanted to capture that feeling within our game but also we always wanted to create um like huge atmospherical changes because i think that is something that can be done so so cool or, or so greatly in, in those type of games um, where you move from the left to the right. And if you have a scenery and that scenery changes, for example, the, the field scenery that you just described, uh, then transform into, transforms into a storm coming up and just creating that, that uh, weather change um is already telling such a story that you don't need to say any anything else actually <laughs> so uh we really focus a lot on creating those atmospherical changes inside the game and it works outside. a treat it really does it really reflects and it's so sympathetic to what's going on in the story and the and the insufferable narrator who's becoming increasingly annoying as the game goes on, um, because you find that there is actually a tug of war between the player and the narrator, which I don't remember seeing. Or, I mean, the closest I can think of, the best sort of analogy or similarly, I can think of between that and the narrator fighting against a player um, mm-hmm. is Stanley Parable. Yeah. Because Stanley Parable was... is about that, is about, you know, oh, you know, it goes left. Exactly. Wait, you're going right? No, I said left. I said 
That's one of my favorite games. <laughs> yeah, it's just like because I really like the interaction you have with the with the narrator in there. Yeah, he's he's um, he's just you know so resigned. But no, you meant to go. Okay, fine. That's your decision, isn't it? Well, you're gonna have to live by it now, aren't you? And, uh, yeah, there's no various... <laughs> to... Go on. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, something different. Yeah, and it's great um... that it's in the Juggler's Tale as well. Kind of, not quite. But, yeah. yeah. So, A Juggler's Tale, which is developed by Kaleidoscube. I love the name of the developer. Kaleidoscube? Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell yeah. us where it came from? Is it just like, I mean, it's obvious, like, it used to be Kaleidoscope, but you went for Cube. Any particular reason why you went that way? <laughs> um, funny that you ask. Like, uh, we, we like uh, the Kaleidoscope as an, as an optical object because yeah. it's just uh, what we want to create in games like multiple colorful facets of uh, story and atmosphere and like that kind of stuff so that was where that came from and the cube actually came come, comes from <laughs> an old rusty metal cube that we uh, found in in an office that we uh, rented it's a 10 by 10 by 10 centimeters huge metal cube that just uh, was lying there and it's incredibly heavy <laughs> and uh, we took that with us where um, wherever we went to always um, get people's reaction on giving like presenting them that heavy object because you're not <laughs> used to having such a small object being that heavy no <laughs> and it's like, like we we prank people with that and it just like it uh, it stuck with that with us as a group, and uh, that's where the cube comes from. That's <laughs> so it's nothing gaming related. It's, it's just uh, we like yeah. that cube. Yeah, so of course you do. It's, it's a random thing. Like what? It's probably, yeah. a, it's probably it sounds like it's probably a sample or something like that. They were given us yeah, probably a sample. And like, what's, why? Like, well, you know, maybe. But it's old rusty mild steel cube of lump. Wow. We put uh, we put uh, like uh, present paper around it, and then like giving it to people is even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you hold it as if it doesn't weigh anything, right? It's really hard yeah, to you do. Know, you, 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 it's like you oh, have yeah. a hard you have a hard time holding it in a way that yeah. it feels very light, and then you give it to people, and they're like. Ooh, what is this? <laughs> it's, it's a little things in life, isn't it, Dominic? It's little yeah. things in life. Anyway, so and it's a uh, so a Juggler's Tale is uh, published by Mixed Vision Games. Is that right? That's what Steve exactly. says. Yeah, cool. And uh, I I don't want to get in trouble with the platforms. Do you want to rattle them off? Because I've got in trouble. Um, it's basically everywhere except for mobile. <laughs> right, so pretty easy. So okay, so it's the Nintendo stations. Switch. Yeah, yeah. It's on Xbox Series X. Yeah, and S. It's on PlayStation Five. PlayStation Five, which I do one. have, and uh, I'm one of the few, and <laughs> on Xbox One <laughs> as well. And I personally and that... played a Juggler's Tale on my Windows PC. So there you go. Yeah, there you can find it on Steam, Rock, mm. and also the the Epic Store. Indeed, it's everywhere. It's all the places. I think it works really well on Switch, though, what I've seen. I think uh, I do play a lot of games on Switch. I'm commuting again, Dominic. I'm back to the 
back to the commute. Okay. So, uh, and I just played it on PC because um, my PC is a bit of a beast, and I like sort of cranking up everything, and it looks just glorious. So, yeah, uh, I can understand that. It's yeah, the same I, with me. I mean, I, I built my PC a year ago with. Uh, I've even got an RTX graphics card in it. I don't know how I got one, but it was a year ago. So, uh, so I've got a twenty seventy super. So it's great. It can do all sorts of mm -hmm. things. So. Yeah, it's not me boasting. Well, it is, but it's a great machine, and I'm very happy with it. But and uh, I do, uh, and games are generally slightly cheaper on it than they are on the other platforms. So, yeah, you good to go for the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is a twenty. It's not a thirty series, but uh, maybe one day I'll get one of those if I can, you know, pry one out of the hands of a cryptocurrency um, miner. Um, so, <laughs> Dominic, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me. You've been a great guest, and uh, you're more than welcome to make a return visit when you've released your next thing, whatever that may be. I'm but, looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, but in the meantime, thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, have a great day to all the listeners. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>